Happy Father's Day. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I do believe that God gave men children so they could torment them and uh, enjoy life. Come on, I tell you, my kids have their own stories. Um, I remember throwing them up in, literally into a ceiling fan that was going on. I just threw them up and, you know, their heads, so surprised they even survived. By accident. Yes, yeah, not by on purpose, but I, by accident. <laughs> do I have to clarify that? I, I guess I do. Oh, man. Yeah, good to, good to have the fathers in the house. Hey, just uh, real quickly, young people, youth camp, please sign up quickly. Um, registrations are going fast, and we're going to have to put a lid on it very quickly. So please sign up for youth camp right around the corner. Um, also, next Wednesday night, I have some great news for you. Next Wednesday night, we're not going to be having Facebook Live like we typically have been doing. Um, we're going to stop doing that on Facebook Live Wednesday nights. For all of you, 3,000 people have been watching. Um, and uh, we're just letting you know that we're going to have service right here next Wednesday night, starting next Wednesday night. And what we thought we would do is we would kind of kick it off with this little special time of um, praise and worship. The worship team will be here. We're going to have some prayer time, some intercession time. Let me know our country and our nation could use a little prayer right now. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be praying and seeking the Lord uh, just for an evening, about an hour. Uh, so just come and join us. We'd just love to have you be with us for that time. And then that we'll continue meeting on Wednesday nights following that. So that's coming up and. Um, in fact, we would really like for you to um, fast for us on that day. We'd love for that to be a day of fasting. And uh, let's just seek the Lord and prepare our hearts for next Wednesday night, this Wednesday night coming up. And also, um, lastly, uh, second to last, Crossing the Freedom classes are starting Tuesday night. I'm telling you what, if you've got anything, if you, anything you're dealing with as far as um, uh, addictions or um, habits or strongholds or stuff that just kind of keeps hanging around, lingering, Man, this is the class for you. Uh, you really need to be in that class. Um, it's a wonderful class. Jan Hicks's team, Crossing the Freedom, is going to be hosting that. And so you can sign up in the back. Crossing the Freedom starts Tuesday night. And uh, how about, how wasn't a great time last Sunday night? Open house at the new building right down the road. Come on, how wasn't that a good time? Yeah, it was. Yeah, so good to see some great hot dogs. And as you can tell, man, we've been working hard on that building and continue to do so. And um, just haven't stopped at all and just trying to really ready ourselves to get that thing done and completed. So thank you for your giving towards that. Your generosity is making a huge difference in that situation in that, in that new church. So I don't know if you heard that. Um, one night a wife uh, was looking at her husband and she found her husband uh, staring down over the newborn baby's crib. And she just stood there in the, kind of the hallway looking in at him just admiring him and as he stood watching uh, that little infant. And he, he, she saw on his face, it was just like, you know, just this amazement and this like um, bewilderment and, and these emotions, you know, just delight. And, and then some, you know, enchantment, skepticism, all this kind of stuff was going on. And, uh, and he was just staring down there. And, and uh, she was just standing back there looking and saying, man, what a great great man he is, what a great father he is. And touched by his unusual display of emotions, she just kind of snuck up behind and put her arms around his, his stomach and just kind of rested her chin on his shoulder and whispered into his ears and said, um, a penny for your thoughts. And um, he just said, man, it, it's just amazing. It's just, it's just amazing to me. And she was smiling and he said, you know, 
when you take the time and, and really look close, you just have to ask yourself, how can anyone make a crib like that for $69.99? It's just, <laughs> how does that happen? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, hey, listen, a uh, question for you this morning. Have you ever found yourself, or maybe not yourself, but maybe somebody else, uh, in a situation where maybe just like you're drowning, just feel like maybe just, man, just a season of heaviness, and there seems like a lot of sorrow lately, or a lot of, you know, upheaval going on, and just kind of maybe floundering a little bit, hard to keep that smile on your face. Maybe uh, your drive's gone, your motivation is kind of wavering a little bit, and you just kind of find yourself in a situation maybe you, you don't want to be in, but you're in it, and, and uh, you don't know kind of what to do at this moment and this season of your life. And I, I don't know if you've been there. I've been there sometimes in my personal life, and I just want to just kind of jump into some things. We started a, um, a series last week called Upgrades, and, and um, I, I came to know this, that when I accepted Jesus into my heart, to be the Lord of my life. And when I asked the Holy Spirit to come into my life, when the Holy Spirit came, guess what? He brought what we call upgrades. Everybody say upgrades. He brought upgrades with us. And upgrades, I mean, you know, sometimes you, you'll be buying something or whatever, and they say, if you want an upgrade, you can click this button, and there's an upgrade available. Well, when you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, guess what? Here's the good news. You get an upgrade that comes with it. And there's nine different upgrades. Come on. Nine upgrades. And we, we would, some people would call it the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We would call them the fruits of the Spirit, perhaps, or just nine upgrades. Let me just look at what these nine upgrades are. Can we read Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23? Come on, let's just read it together. There it goes. Just, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Those right there are the nine gifts, or for, excuse me, fruits of the Spirit, or the nine upgrades that we get to be a part of when we ask Jesus into our heart. All these nine characteristics can be found in the life of Jesus himself. Every single one of them, he walked in to the fullest extent that a human could walk in. If you wanted to find what these things look like, all you have to look at is Jesus. Now, last week, we started off by the first one, love. We talked about the different kinds of love. In the Greek language, they kind of define love a little bit different, which is the language that the Bible, the New Testament was written in. And now, one of the definitions of love is eros, where we get the word erotic, or it's more of a sexual type of love. The second type of love is phila, phileo, excuse me, where we get like the word Philadelphia from, means brotherly love, or sisterly love, or love for your neighbor. And then there's a third kind of love that many people don't ever experience. They, never, they may have seen it, but they've never perhaps experienced it. You can only really experience it if you've ever asked Jesus into your heart. It's called agape love. It's, it's defined as this, God's unconditional love. And we talked about that last week. If you didn't hear last week's message, I pray that you go back online and listen to it or go to our podcast. We'd love for you to do that. And by the way, we want to welcome everyone watching online. Thank you for tuning in today. So today what I want to do is I want to go to our second upgrade, and I want to talk about joy. I want to unpack 
this topic, joy. Let's have a little conversation about that. Because let me just say this before we get into that. There's always going to be in life a counterfeit for what God has to offer you. The enemy always comes and brings a counterfeit to the real deal. In fact, I, I remember growing up and I came home from school one day and, and there on the, in, on the dining room table was this beautiful kind of uh, big bowl with all sorts of fruit just kind of hanging off. I'm like, oh, wow. And I was hungry. So I just grabbed an orange uh, to, to eat it. When I did, my, like, I picked it up and I squeezed a little bit and my fingers like touched. And I'm like, what? What is this? And I realized it was plastic. And I looked at my mom and I said, this is plastic. All this is plastic. And she smiled. She said, yeah. I said, that's wrong. That's just wrong at every level. Come on, you know what I'm saying? You don't put a, a plastic anything in front of a hungry little kid. That's just, it, it, but that's exactly what the, the enemy does. He, for everything that's real that God offers, he always comes along and brings something a little bit Kind of, but not, and it's all counterfeit. And it's, I call it fake fruit. Come on. It's just fake fruit. And I want you to know there's a counterfeit for joy. And what is the counterfeit for joy? Well, the counterfeit could be simply happiness. Now, listen, nothing wrong with being happy. I like to be happy, and I like to be around happy people. But the problem with happiness is happiness depends on happenings. And if it's not, if good things aren't happening, then we typically are in a bad mood. And we're always looking for a new thing to be happening. And our moods go up and down because of things that are happening or not happening. Happiness depends on happy means. And so, but joy is a whole different level. God didn't give us the fruit or the upgrade of happiness. Thank you, Lord. He gave us the upgrade of joy. And joy is something that will always be there, whether it's a good happening or a bad happening. Come on, say, somebody shout at your boy and say amen. Come on. So we want joy. We don't want happiness. And even though I like, I like that song, happy, uh, that happy song that came out recently. And I love that uh, song, but I, I really want joy. So let's talk about joy. I want to give you about six different things that we need to understand about joy. Number one, joy depends on the fuel of hope to survive. The Bible says that God is able to turn our mourning into dancing. I love that. In Isaiah chapter 35, we see this passage of scripture where Isaiah is talking about this barren desert or this wilderness. And if you've been in the desert, you know there's not a lot of green things going on. There's just a lot of arid, a lot of sand, a lot of rocks. There's not a lot of life. And Isaiah is prophesying about this desert, this parched land is going to become glad. And the wilderness will rejoice and blossom. And the flower, the crocus, which is a flower, it will burst into bloom and it will rejoice greatly and, and give shouts of joy. What we're seeing here is that anytime you see rain show up in the Bible, rain, water, streams, um, anything dealing with water like that, what it, God is saying is that I'm going to pour out my spirit. And when my spirit is poured out, everything changes. It may look like a wilderness now, but when I pour out my rain, it'll change into a beautiful blossoming landscape of flowers. It may look like a bad situation now, but just wait because my spirit's coming. And when my spirit touches the bad situation, everything's going to change. 
The Bible tells a story about the, the Israelites who are getting ready to do battle and they're, and they're crying out to God. There's an enemy out there in front of them. They say, God, help us, help us. We need help. We're not going to be able to defeat this enemy. They're too strong. Help us. And God says, don't worry. I'll send my rain. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm in a battle, if I'm getting ready to, you know, there's a bully in my life and he's a bigger than I am. He's about to take me out. And I cry out to God and God says, don't worry, JP. I'm going to send some rain right now. That's not going to help me. Come on. Somebody knows that. I don't need rain. I need some forces. I need an atom bomb. I need something here, not rain. But what God was saying is, listen, what you need is an outpouring of my power. It was a prophetic message that he was speaking to us. And when your back is against the wall, hold on. You cry out to the Lord and he will send a rain in your desert. And and guess what that does? That produces inside of you a, a hope that you always live with. You see, if you, don't have, if you don't have a hope, then you don't have a purpose. And I've found, I've had some, quite a few conversations recently with some wonderful people. And they've been going through all this situation with all that we're dealing with in the nation right now and in the world. And, and what, guess what? I've been saying to them, I'm saying, look, here's the deal. You're kind of down in the dumps a little bit. And the reason you are is because you've lost your hope. And because you've lost your hope, you've lost your joy. So let's talk about your hope. Let's talk about your, here's the deal. God still has purpose for you. You can, see, you can gauge people's, people's um, uh, uh, hope by their lack of joy. If there's a lack of joy, it's usually associated with a lack of hope. They, they feel like they've lost their purpose. They, they feel like maybe God you know, doesn't know where they're at or they, 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 they don't know how to make it through this thing. No matter what you are in, there is always hope. Can you turn to your neighbor and tell him you need a little hope? Come on. In Jeremiah 29. Verse 11, you've probably heard this mentioned before. Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. This is God's telling you. Wouldn't it be great to, to sit down and you're doing like a job interview with God? And God slides out a little piece of paper. Here's my plans for you, Eddie, right here. What's, my, what's your plans for me? My plans for you is that you have nothing but good take place in your life. No disaster. And my plans is to give you future. And my plans for you is to give you hope. Now you need to really read that scripture and memorize that and commit it to memory. Jeremiah 29, 11, God's plans for you is to give you future, to give you hope. Not, he doesn't have bad plans for you. And so when we remind ourselves of that in every situation we're in, that God has purpose for me still, no matter if I'm on the, you know, backside of the fourth quarter of life, or if I'm in the first quarter of life and I've messed up royally, the point is still, God has purpose for your life. Until you take your last breath, you have purpose. And if you have purpose, you have hope. And if you have hope, you have joy. Number two, joy will power you through circumstances. Joy powers you through circumstances. Now, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture in chapter 30 of the book of Psalms. And David, let me give you the context. David had been, 
he had a dream, and his dream was that one day he would build God his own temple, his own place where people could come and they could worship God and give glory to God. So, so God put this in David's heart, and, and so he made plans. I'm going to, God, I'm going to build you a, a church building. It's going to be an awesome building. It's going to be the biggest and baddest and best church building in the world. Everyone's going to want to come to this church building. And God's like, David, David, buddy, hey, good idea, like the idea, but not going to happen in your lifetime. That's going to be your son's job. And David's like, oh, well, I guess I can make all the preparations for it. So David made all the preparations for God's big temple. I mean, he, he, before David died, he had everybody organized. He had teams. He had subcontractors and contractors. He, he even had all the, all the, 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 the wood and the, and the gold and the silver. Everything was in place. He had the blueprints, everything. All Solomon had to do was uh, come to the throne after David dies, and Solomon just had to say, go, and everybody would know what to do. They knew what they had to be done. And so they, they built David's temple. Now, David had one stipulation. He said, now listen, when you go to dedicate this temple after I'm dead, and it's all built, this is what I want you, I want you to read these words that I'm going to write down. And this is what he wrote in chapter 30 of the book of Psalms. And so they're reading the words of a dead man, their last king, a great king. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. And all the people are like, yes, I remember David. I remember his story. That's right, that's right. You, Lord, David would go on to say, brought me up from the realm of the dead, and you spared me from going down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. About about that time, about everyone was, woo, For his, this is, this is why you praise him. For his anger lasts only a moment. Everybody say a moment. But his favor lasts a lifetime. Amen. This is David talking. This is, that, that's really good stuff right there. And then it gets better. Then he says this. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Oh, come on now. This was coming from the words of a dead man who had lived this out and he would look back at his life and saw exactly what he's saying happened in his life and happens to our life. He goes on and says this, you turn my wailing into dancing and remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. About that time everyone's like, whoa, whoa. Come on. See, what you have to understand is joy will power you through circumstances and seasons of hardship. Yes, sorrow may come, but it's a space of time. Yes, discouragement may come, but it's just a moment. Yes, weeping may come, but it lasts just a while. There is a moment tied to everything that comes against you. But if you will grab your garment of praise and put the joy on in your heart, you will power through that season and come out on the other side. How many know every story? If you keep powering through, you'll come out into the sunshine. Woo! 
Yeah. There's something else on the other side of this moment. You study all night long. Why? Because you know after you're done studying, you're going to take that test and you're going to ace it and you're going to pass the class and you're going to be honorable, you know, mention in the student body. <laughs> you, 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 you work three jobs till you like burn out and burning the candles on both ends. You, you can't even think straight. Sometimes you're so about to fall asleep driving home from work. But, but you know it's only a season because once you pay that, off that last credit card bill, you're going to be free and clear and your car is going to be paid off and your house is going to be a paid off and you're going to be good to go. Come on. It just lasts for a moment. You know that little baby that you're holding all night long is crying and weeping and got the fever and you want to get some sleep yourself but you can't because you want to make sure your little son's okay and you hold him all throughout the night why because there's something inside of you that says this is just a period of time but on the other side he's going to be better and we're going to go on with life I wanted you to know weeping may last for a moment but joy comes in the morning come on somebody mm. so you can't go to this point without having to look at James, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, where it says that Jesus endured the cross for one reason. The Bible says that Jesus endured the, the, the pain of the cross that was set before him for one reason, because he had joy. He had joy set before him. Let me read it. Faith for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The reason that Jesus went to the cross and never came down was because in his eyes, he in his heart, he saw something so huge and so powerful and so great called the local church, called the body of Christ, called the bride of Christ, uh, that he says, I'm going to stay here. And even though my body is aching, and even though my muscles are screaming, and even though my heart is about to bust inside, uh, there's something inside of me that I see on the other side of this cross uh, called the local church, called the bride of Christ, uh, called the sons and daughters of the faith. Uh, and I'm going to stay here because down deep inside, you may not see it here, but down deep in here, there's a thing called joy. And I'm going to stay on this cross for the joy set before me he endured the cross and now we sit here today to be able to go into the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ throughout the world it's the joy that kept him on the cross mm. number three joy is a refuge in the midst of a crisis joy is a refuge in the midst of a crisis so in the Old Testament we read how they had come back to Jerusalem. They had been banished from Israel for a long time. Now they came back to Israel and after being captives for so long, and now they're back in their homeland, their home country, and they're assembled in the capital. And Nehemiah, the leader, has Ezra, the priest, and his comrades stand up. He called all the people together. And so these guys stood up on a little um, platform that they had built for them, and all the people listened to the priests read the scriptures to them. Now, these people have been in 
In Babylon, they've been slaves. They've been captives. So they hadn't read, they hadn't had access to scriptures. No one had been reading the scriptures. They didn't know what the word says. They, they just knew they were slaves and, and, and now they were free. And so they're back. And, and so from morning, the Bible says, until noontime, Ezra and the priests read the scriptures to the captives, former captives, and explained the statutes and the principles and the laws that God had laid out to them years before through Moses. And now they're there, and as they're hearing the statutes and the commandments, they begin to weep. They begin to cry. They begin to mourn because they realize they had not been living up to the standard that God had laid out in front of them through, through his word before. And they're weeping, and they're crying. And so Nehemiah knew time stands up and goes, hey, hey, stop the crying. Stop it, it's okay. God's not mad at you. Instead, he says, this is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected. Don't be sad because you missed the mark. Don't be sad because you kind of been on the wrong path. Don't be sad because, and here's what he says, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you're like, okay, the joy of the Lord is drink. Okay, and then he goes, now go, go, go eat, go have some eat, get some drink, enjoy life, enjoy your day. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I've quoted that scripture so many times, had it quoted to me. The joy of the Lord is your strength, brother. Cheer up, be happy. The joy of the Lord is your strength, sister. Come on. Oh, I okay. So I got to get my joy because that makes me strong. Well, let me just say this. The word strength in the Hebrew, which is what that was written in, the word strength means this, a strong or a fortified place. I just thought, well, well the joy of the Lord is my strength. I just, uh, when I have the joy, I'm like, Whoosh. well, maybe there's something to that. But it's more than that. The joy of the Lord is my fortress. It's my hiding place. Remember when, when you, 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 were, you were getting chased by the bully, you know, and you ran to your big brother, and you stand behind your big brother, and you're like, yeah, come get me now. You know, come on, uh-huh. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about. You did the same thing. That's what this word means. The joy of the Lord is, is your fortress, your safe place. In those days, they would build a city, and then they would build it with walls around it. And then during the day, the people would take their tools, their farming equipment. They would, they would do the gardens and the fields and plow and all that kind of stuff. And then someone would run through the fields, say, the enemy is coming, the enemy is coming. Run to the city. They would run to the fortress, throw down their plow, run and shut the doors. And inside the city, the fortress, the refuge, they were safe from the enemy. This is what Nehemiah is saying. He says, if you, want to be, if, you, if you want to be safe, if you want to be a person that conquers and powers through, you got to run to the fortress of joy because in the joy of the Lord, you become safe and secure and no one can touch you. It's home base for the hide-and-go-seekers. Come on. It is, it's the place you go. It's the joy of the Lord is your safe place. Somebody say, this is good. Mm. So how do I run to joy? I've mean, never seen anybody run. What are you doing, brother? I'm running for joy. I'm getting my joy. That don't even make sense. Who would even run for joy to begin with? I know some of y'all do. How do I run to joy? Number one, how do I run to joy? I'd make a decision in my mind 
every day, I am going to make a, a conscious decision that I will be joyful and that God has got this. I, I'm going to count my blessings. I'm, going to, I'm not going to look at the negative. I'm going to look at God. I'm not going to look at the disaster. I'm going to look at my God. I'm not going to look at the hopelessness, but I'm going to look at the hope. I'm not going to look at the bad. I'm going to look at the good. I'm going to make a decision. I'm not going to listen to you because all you do is talk negative. I'm going over here where everybody talks positive. I'm not going over here where everybody says it's all done, done and everyone's going to hell in a basket case. I'm going over here where everybody sees the glory of God. I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to live in a place uh, where God is glorified. I'm not going to speak with doubt. Uh, I'm going to speak words of faith. Uh, I'm going to look, not look at the storm. I'm going to go through the storm and see the sunshine. I'm going to be a person that lives in joy. I'm going to run to the joy place. Come on, somebody. You got to run to the joy place. Because your joy is your protection. Your joy is your fortress. Your joy is your defense. Your joy becomes like a, it becomes like a force field around you. Remember Star Trek? Remember he would say, he would say something like, you know, um, you know, inject the force field or, you know, engage the force field. Because they all, you know, they got, they got this shield, this bubble around them. Come on, remember that? Some of you trackies. How many trackies we got in the house? Raise your hand. You know what I'm talking about? Your favorite favorite show growing up. You got a force. Joy is your force field. And whatever the enemy comes at you with, it just bounces off because you walk in the joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's your refuge. It's your hiding place. Mm. Number four, the purest form of joy, however, is found in God's presence. That, that, that's, if you want to know what joy really looks like, you go to where God is and put yourself right in his presence. Psalm 16, 11, you will show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. I'm glad it says fullness. I'm glad it doesn't say, and you'll find half a pint of joy. Go to the pre in the presence of the, of the Lord is a thimbleful uh, in the, of joy. In, in the presence of the Lord is just a, a little drop of joy. No, in the presence of the Lord is all the joy you could possibly have inside your spirit. If you will get locked into the presence of the Lord, he will infuse you with this power called the fruit of the spirit, an upgrade called the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord will become your strength. It becomes your power. It becomes your source. It becomes your life, uh, and you're like this little, you're like a Teflon dish. You know a Teflon dish? Nothing sticks to it. Come on, right? It just, how many know that little Pam, my, my wife makes eggs, and so she'll, she'll spray that stuff on there. I always forget, and so I just start making eggs. I wonder why, what's wrong with the eggs here? You know? Well, she sprays the spray on, and it just flies off. That's the joy of the Lord. <laughs> She's got a little joy up in there in the little cabinet. She pulls the joy out and sprays it off. That's what God does in our lives. He sprays us with his joy. We get locked into his presence and nothing just, everything's like the enemy throws the stuff at you, he throws disappointment. He throws, you know, you know, hatred and anger and all this kind of sickness and it goes, and you're like, come on. 
Is that all you got? That's your best shot? The Bible says that when the enemy comes into our heart, that we have the power through Jesus to cleanse our temple, to cleanse our spirit, to cleanse our heart. But the Bible also, Jesus says, that he makes this analogy when, when a person, for example, cleanses his heart or his spirit, the enemy goes and he leaves. He has to go. But what he does is he goes back and finds seven of his buddies. And then he comes back to your place, to your house, to your house. And he peers in and sees if there's anything in there. And if there's nothing that's been put back into the house that's taken his place, then he brings his buddies and whistles and they all come around the corner and they come right back into the very place that they were cast out of. What I'm saying is that, that your house is a place that must be filled with the presence of God. And when your house is filled with the presence of God or the joy of the Lord, no enemy can come into your house. It is a stronghold. You need the joy. No, no, no. You got to have the joy of the Lord. I'm not, I'm not, this isn't even a suggestion. You got to have it. Turn your neighbor, help me preach and say, you got to have the joy, baby. Come on. You got to have the joy. You got to have the joy. And number five, we've got to move quickly. Joy flows from an others-centered heart. An others-centered heart. Jesus is just now hours away in John 15 of going to the cross. His whole 33 years has come now down to these last few hours. And he has what anybody would want to do in your last few hours. You want to have dinner, a barbecue with your boys. So he has dinner with his boys, his disciples. And as he's talking to his guys for the last time, he begins to talk to them about joy. And he says, guys, listen, all these things I've been telling you, I tell you these things so you will be filled with joy. He, he's like, he's looking at them. He, mind you, he in a matter of hours, this time the next day, he'll be in the grave. He, but, but instead of looking at his future hours at the cross, he's thinking of them and says, look guys, I, I, I want to just put some joy into you. I'm, 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 I'm wanting to look out for you guys. I, I want you, in fact, in fact, he says, I don't want you just to know about this joy. I want your joy to overflow. And this is my commandment. Guys, love one another as you have seen me love you. There's no greater love than this. And, and so he's just, what? He's just pouring into him, pouring into him, pouring into him, pouring. Why? Because he was joy. And when you are filled with joy, all you want to do is help your brother out. When you are walking in the joy of the Lord, it's no longer about you. It's always about them. Oh, I'm preaching good. I know I am. <laughs> Y'all like, oh boy, this is close to home. Oh, no, no. The joy, the person that's filled with joy is always other-centered first. It's not about you. 
It's about how what you can get, what you can have, what you want. Oh, they didn't treat me right. They talked to me mean. They didn't include me in the game. It, oh, man, I'm just going to go to my bedroom and sulk a little bit. Oh, my, come get real. <laughs> Stop it. Grow up. It's not about you. They don't want to include you. Just get another game and include them. It's the joy. Don't let them steal your joy. Can I just say it like this? The very root, now I'm not even a psychologist, but this is Bible. The very root of grief and the very root of anxiety is a self-centered person. Grief, depression, discouragement, anxiety, stress is the very root of someone whose whose whole life centers around them. So be amazed at how better you feel if you start, start thinking of others before you think about yourself. And lastly, we're done. Thanksgiving and worship and praise will bring you joy. What? Well, here's what we have to understand. Joy, the very word joy is a noun. But rejoicing is a verb. It's an action. I demonstrate joy by rejoicing. Rejoicing. Paul says it like this. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul's in jail. Now, some of you may have been in jail. Some of you may have experienced that. He's in a jail cell, and he's writing this incredible letter. And guess what he says? He says to everybody in, in Philippi, he says, now listen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He goes, here's what, here's, here's what I want you to know. Rejoice in the Lord every once in a while. <laughs> I don't even have it up there. No, rejoice in the Lord what? Always. always. Turn to your neighbor and say always. always. Rejoice in the Lord always. But then he does something else. He says, oh, and by the way, again, I I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. In other words, he was like, rejoice in the Lord always. I'm not kidding. I mean this. Again, I'm going to say it. Now, it's the only commandment that I can find in the Bible that we're told to do it twice. We don't see the Lord saying, now look, thou shalt not murder. Again, don't you murder nobody. No. Thou shalt not steal. I'm not kidding. Don't be stealing. Don't see that. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But this, Paul goes, this is, a, this is a law. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't a Pauline suggestion. It's a Pauline law. It's a law. The law from the Lord. Thou shalt rejoice. You shall rejoice. I rejoice in the Lord at all times, every situation, all times, and as if we had to remember it. And again, he says, I'm going to tell it to you. I'm not kidding. You don't have the permission not to do this. You must rejoice. See, sometimes we, like, we feel like we have permission to just be down in the dumps. We feel like, well, you know what? No one's gone through what I've gone through. I can, I can be down. I can, I, can, I can let it out. I can, I can cuss somebody out if I want to because no one's been through what I've been through. 
No one's been treated like I've been treated. I, yeah, I've been kicked to the curb. I've been, no, no one's been done wrong like I've been. I, I'm, just give me a few moments. I'm just going to let everybody have it and I'll be good. No, the Bible says rejoice. In other words, give God praise. Give God thanks. Give God re rejoicing. Give God worship. And again, don't you go there. Don't you go there. Again, I'm telling you, you better rejoice. You better give him praise. That's the key to joy. I was talking to a friend of mine this past week, and he has a friend who uh, travels around the world speaking and stuff, and his mama had been having some physical issues, and the doctor called her in and said, can you make an appointment about three days? So she calls her son, her son's in another country, son, son, can you come? I gotta go to the doctor. He wants to talk to me. I would love for you to be there. Sure, mom. He cut off his trip short and flew home, took her to the doctor, sat down, the doctor came in and said, well, I just want you to know, we, Mrs. Whatever, I, we've done everything in our power. You know, we, there's nothing else we can do for you. And I'm, I'm here to say, I'm sad to say, but there's nothing else we can do. And her son said, well, what, what does that mean? And the doctor hung his head and said, well, there's just nothing more we can do. But what does that mean? Well, it means, it means ma'am, that death is imminent. Go home, make things right, put everything in order. That's what I would do. And steer, tears coming down the son's cheeks. This is his mama. This is his mama. This is the one that when her husband walked out on the family, took another job and even three jobs at times and supported the family. This is the mama that taught him character and integrity. This is the woman that led him to Jesus. This was the most wonderful woman he'd ever met in his life, his mama. And now she, she's been given this death sentence and he's weeping and he looks over his mama and she's sitting there like this. And the doctor walked out. He goes, well, Mom, I guess we need to leave. So they left. and They walked down to the hall and to the elevator. And they get in the elevator. And he's, got, he's holding back tears. And he, he's trying to do the best he can. And he looks over at Mom. And she's like this. They get in the car. And they're driving off. And he's, he's choking back tears some more. And he's just, he just doesn't. This is, this is ripping him up. And he looks over at Mom. Mom's just sitting here. And he goes, you know, maybe she didn't understand. He goes, Mama, did you hear what the doctor said? He goes, oh, yeah. No, no, did you really hear what he said? He, he said that you don't have much time left. Did you hear him say that? Oh, yeah, I, I heard him say that. Mama, what, why are you sitting there smiling? I mean, this is, this is like the worst news anyone could ever hear. What, why are you sitting there smiling? She goes, oh, son, because... I'm just thinking about all the people that hear that I'm about to die and how amazed they're gonna be when I keep on living. <laughs> and she not only kept on living, she lived for years and years afterwards. She never died. The joy of the Lord is your refuge. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I mean, I can't, I can't help it. I got it, I got it, I got to do this. Paul and Silas, they're in the, they're thrown into the innermost part of the jail. 
And they're there, they're, there's, their feet are locked in the stocks. They're, they're having cramps. Their body's bleeding. They're rats. It's dark. It's a midnight hour. It's, I mean, if anybody had a reason to go, God, what in the world? We've been preaching for you. All we're trying to do is help people, lead people into the kingdom of God. And look at this. I mean, they had every reason to whine, to gripe, complain. But instead, in the midnight hour, Paul starts singing a little song, starts singing a little tune. Silas joined into him. They start singing a little hymn. And there, I can see them just worshiping the Lord. The Bible says that the whole jail was filled with this worship, with this praise. In fact, all the Bible says all the other prisoners were listening to them worship and give God praise. And I think God just kind of like, like what they were singing. He started tapping his toe and suddenly there was an earthquake. Come on. Because of their tapping. And the Bible says the foundation of the prison was shaken and every door flew open. Now listen, what was amazing to me about this story is that the jailer comes out and he sees the doors open, realizes everyone's gone, and he pulls out a sword to kill himself because he's the jailer. If anybody escapes, they're going to kill him. And then Paul and Silas goes, oh, hold on. Don't kill yourself. He's got this sword. Why? Well, what are you doing here? Paul says, we're all here. We're all here. You're all here. Why are you here? The prison. I mean, can you imagine being in a prison and you all of a sudden the door comes open, the chains come off of your 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 shackles, your ankles, and you walk out the hallway, you appear, and you see cars going out the, the up and down the road, and the doors open. How many be like? Come on, don't don't lie to me. You know you'd be like, but no, no, no. No, they're all, they're there. I, I believe in Paul and Silas's cell, worshiping the Lord, singing songs. Why? Because when you worship, you are drawn into this thing called the joy of the Lord. And they were like, I don't know what this is I'm just experiencing, but I will stay right here in this jail to get more of it. Come on. It's the joy of the Lord. It's the joy of the Lord. It's our strength. It's our power. He's our refuge. He's our hope. He's our life. He's everything. It's the joy. Come on. We just stand and let's worship the Lord this morning. Come on, church. With me real quickly, close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, then you are missing out on this very thing I'm talking about, the joy of the Lord. Everything starts with the joy and the love of God, the relationship with God himself. And you're here this morning, you say, Pastor JP, I, I may have known the Lord at one time. I think I walked away from him. Maybe, maybe you've never even experienced a relationship with your father through Jesus. This morning, my invitation is to you. Will you let me pray with you right where you're sitting? Can we just pray and, and just right where you're sitting, just have a prayer and invitation to know Jesus. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? Come on, right where you're sitting. I want to know Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes, sir. I see that. Come on. Come on. I want to know Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? Come on. I want to know Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Come on. Amen. Can we just pray this prayer together? Let's just all pray this. But I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Pray this word, words with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming to this earth to give me the opportunity to know my Father. 
So right now, I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Thank you for your love and thank you for your joy. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Wow, thank you. Thank you for praying that prayer. Thank you for praying that prayer. Thank you for praying that prayer. 